current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. godly kids in ungodly times. The prophecy of wars and rumors of wars is back in the spotlight. Those that hold on to a biblical worldview is very spotty. And have you spotted the pyramid-shaped UFOs? Well, one thing's for certain, God's word is spot on, and we'll see why as we look at the signs of the times. Our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, April 16th. 2021. Along with Mark Kirk, the senior pastor of Calvary Knoxville, I'm Greg Hilt, and thanks for joining us. And the guy behind me is Caleb, our video producer. If you happen to be watching instead of listening to Signs of the Times. Can you see uh, him back there? Uh, yes, you can. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I just kind of point him out. We were talking about getting one of those little fences. For those of you who remember Home Improvement, Wilson, the neighbor, you never saw Wilson. You only <clears throat> saw the, just the top part. Of his eyes, you never, you know, nose and below, you never saw him because he was always behind a fence. <laughs> so we we're talking about putting a fence up on the window so you couldn't see him. So, ah, gotcha. Uh, it's uh, kind of where we have to put him for now. Yep. Uh, until the Lord changes our venue. But keep anyway, him in a cage. Keep him in a cage. Keep, we, keep him. Keep 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 him in the cage. <laughs> Actually, he's he he likes MMA, so the cage is appropriate <laughs> for Caleb. Anyway, the Way Media app, thewaymedia.net, is where you can watch or listen to previous episodes, subscribe to the podcast that you can get on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. This will be episode 165. We will magically turn it into episode 165 this afternoon. But in the meantime, whether you're listening live or on the air on 101.1 FM or online at thewaymedia.net or watching live on YouTube or Facebook, we thank you for joining us. Pastor Mark, it is a beautiful day today. Yes, it is. Uh, in spite of just the tragedy going on in the world, and if you were listening to the news on the, our radio station right before the, the program, talking more about that uh, shooting there at the FedEx facility, yeah. you know, the world is the world is becoming unhinged because it is getting further and further away from the Lord, and our news stories are chronicling that, and that's really what prophecy helps us to understand, yeah. is, is that as the, we get closer to the end and people get farther away, God's got to deal with these things. Oh, yeah. And we were told this would happen. This is not a surprise. It's sad, but, yeah. it, but at least we know what's going on because the Lord said this is going to happen, and it's happening. And it's happening. It is. We have uh, one listener question in our mailbag, and uh, this week it comes from Lauren, who uh, consumes us in Virginia, whether she watches or listens. And her question is as follows. She says, my husband and I are expecting a baby in the fall. Congratulations. Yes. As we prepare our hearts for this new season, we also firmly are aware of the signs of the times and don't want to miss what God is doing. We want to continue our purpose in sharing God's kingdom and sharing the truth. 
We're not fearful of bringing in a child and trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. What advice would you give to new parents who know the end times we're living in, but are also raising kids? Yeah, again, I'm sure there's a a lot of, well, I'm sure there's a lot of young couples thinking this very thing. So this is a very appropriate question and something that needs to be addressed. And I would just say, you know, first of all, we can't live in fear as believers. And I want to encourage you, uh, moms and dads, and, and encourage you guys out there, according to Lauren and your family, don't be afraid to have children. The Lord gave a command in um, the Garden of Eden. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And uh, and so that's what we're commanded to do. And, of course, then the concern comes in, right, if we're going to be fruitful and multiply, then um, how does that work in the world that we live in with all the weird stuff going on and the dangers you know, the first thing I'm going to do is lay the foundation. That is, be fruitful and multiply, the Lord said. Secondly, Luke said, uh, the Lord said in Luke 19, 13, he gave a parable, and he said that he called ten of his servants together and delivered to them ten pounds, that is a certain amount of money, and said unto them, occupy until I come. So the principle I want to point out is from the Garden of Eden, um, where he said to be fruitful and multiply, and then he says here, occupy till I come, we're to live as normal until the Lord comes back. We're not to say, oh, no, uh, times are getting worse, don't have kids. No, we need godly children in the world today. We don't know how long it's going to be until the Lord comes back. And so we need to be raising up the next generation of godly kids um, to be able to reach the world around us. So that's that's a given. Uh, but the question is, well, how do we protect them? What if we're worried? you got to trust God in that. We have to trust in the Lord and if you've got little ones, remember, it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that if one of us, at least one parent, knows the Lord, our children are sanctified, which means if the rapture takes place, or when the rapture takes place, rather, they will be going to heaven. So our kids will go, even if they're young, and even if they're not of the age of accountability to make those decisions. But in the meantime, I believe the Scripture would encourage us to continue to have children and to raise children up in the Lord, because we need that more than ever for the days in which we live. I do believe there are seasons, rare seasons, where we should not have children or get married. Uh, and we see a couple of those in Scripture. One I can think of is where Jeremiah was giving the prophecy that the nation was about to be judged. They were going to come in and kill all the women, rape them and kill them, and kill all the children. And so the, the prophetic word was, you know, don't don't be having kids. Paul even said in his day, at one time, he said, you know what, I, it, yes, get married, have kids. But he said, I wish you would stay as I am, as single. There was a reason behind that, Paul was saying, not just the spiritual reasons, but also persecution was great. Christians were being fed to lions. In other words, there are seasons where they are. it's open season on Christians. And if they're killing your babies and killing your wives and killing, you know, then that might be a good time not to marry because there's less heartache in losing a spouse to some type of, you know, gruesome execution, as well as it may be a time to hold off on having children because they're only going to take your children like Pharaoh was doing and throw them in the Nile River. So there are times we do put the brakes on maybe for a temporary moment of time until that passes. But unless you're in a moment like that, we are to continue to occupy until the Lord comes, he says there in uh, Luke nineteen thirteen. So I would encourage you, and God bless you on having those kids. Now, on part two of that question, how to raise them, I'm going to say something that will sound very basic and simple, but then I want to give you some practical things to do, because it's. It, I don't want it to sound just like a simple answer that uh, is easy to throw out there. And that is, train them up in the Bible. Train them up in the way of the Lord. Now, you might be saying as a Christian, well, that's obvious, Pastor. We get that. Everybody is going to do that. Well, you'd be surprised. There are a lot of Christian parents who don't do this, and I think oftentimes they either don't take the time to do it or they don't know how. 
And what I mean by that is that doesn't mean just have kids and take them to church. Those are your vitamins. They need a regular meal every day. And God has appointed you as mom and dad to give those kids that meal every day. You're to be feeding them the word of God. And then you bring them to church on Sunday and Wednesday or Sunday night as well, whenever, how often you come. And I encourage you to do it as often as you can. And hopefully your church is teaching them the word of God and, yes, giving them a meal. But really, it's almost like a a protein drink or it's almost like a, you know, a, a smoothie for that day. You're giving them something extra that their body needs and is very healthy. But if you're only giving them what they get at church, your children are going to grow up malnourished. So hear me on this, parents. And even churches that teach the word good. Remember, that's only once or twice a week. You've got them seven days a week. You need to be teaching them the word. So you say, all right, great. How do I do that? I'm not a teacher. I don't know how. I'm busy, especially you moms that have two or three kids hanging around you, grabbing on, saying mom, mom, mom all day. You're just hoping you can clean the kitchen or maybe you get a meal done. You're exhausted. I I understand that, and God understands that. During those years, you know, lay your Bible open on the counter and just read a verse or two as you walk by. Share something from those verses with your kids throughout the day. God will show you creative ways just to be able to pour into your kids. So there's one practical way for you moms. But for you dads, really, it's your responsibility. And moms, you can do this if dad doesn't, because I know sometimes dads are not saved or, 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 or maybe their schedule is whatever. They can't do it. You know, as a dad, you need to set aside a time every day in the evening that you spend some time with your little ones in the Word. And what we did was I made a commitment to go through the entire Bible with our kids, and, and we did that more than once. We got through and started again before they all left um, left home. They haven't all actually left home now, but either way. Um, and so what we would do is you do it age appropriate. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be some kind of expert. Just read a chapter, and you read it in advance to know what it's talking about, and share, like, if they're little, just give them a nugget or two. As they get older, as you go through the Bible, share a little bit more, but just share what's appropriate for where they are. And then when you come to those places, and most of the Bible's like this, where you can live the story out, Mm. they love that. And what it does is it drives it home in their heart. And I'll give you some clear, an easy example. David and Goliath. I use that one a lot because it's an easy one, but there are a lot of great places in the Bible all through it. You can do this. Live it out. Dad, you're big. Be Goliath. Who will fight me? You know, the kids, all right, David, grab your stone and plant. They love it. Don't let them get real rocks because they'll get excited. And, you know, <laughs> I've had kids pounce on me with both knees when I play Philistines are attacking. Oh, so yeah. it's not a good feeling. But the bottom line is live these scenes out of the Philistines, of the battles of David and Goliath, and then collapse on the floor. Let them capture you. And then the, 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 the you know, the Israel, Israelites roar for victory and all this. It not only teaches them, you read it, and then you act it out. It it burns it in their little hearts and minds, and you're training them up in the Word of God. They go through the Bible by the time they're little to adult. By 18, you should be able to get them through the whole Bible. They've gone through the whole Bible. They've been able to uh, have a closer relationship with you as a parent pouring into them, and you've trained up the next generation. And then you're getting them the vitamins and protein drinks they need by going to church a couple times a week. So, yes, have kids. God bless you in it. There's some practical application on how to raise them up in the Word of God because that's going to make them strong and and give us the next generation of godly children. That's great. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And, Lauren, thanks for your question. If you've got a question like Lauren, we invite you to visit thewaymedia.net or on the Way Media app, just navigate to Signs of the Times, and you'll see a place where you could submit your prophecy question. And we also have a section for our frequently asked questions that we try to keep updated, that uh, we might be able to answer your question right there uh, from our website. So again, that's thewaymedia.net. 
All right, let's get into articles. Yeah. And let's start with Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, you sank my battleship is the thing that came up to my mind when I thought, actually, you sank my cargo ship. You really didn't sink it, but, you know, those things just pop in your head. Yes, you can't help yes. it. Anyway, Israel365news.com dated April 14th reporting an Israeli cargo ship was hit with an Iranian missile. Yeah. Do again, explain. Yes. And we're again watching the tensions rise with Iran, which is where we keep our eyes as prophecy students on Israel and then watching what Iran does because Iran and Russia will be soon moving against Israel. An Israeli owned cargo ship reportedly came under Iranian attack and sustained light damage off the coast of the United Arab Emirates on Tuesday. The Hyperion Ray was struck near the Emirate of Fujara. Israel Channel 13 said the ship was likely struck by a missile fired by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. Uh, there were no reports of casualties. Now, you'll notice they'll do these attacks. There are not reports of casualties because Iran knows if they really did an attack big enough to cause some damage, there's going to be an immediate return strike by Israel. So they're antagonizing, but they're not, at this point, doing any major damage. According to Joe Trusman, a research analyst at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies Long War Journal. The ship is listed by marine traffic sites as a vehicle transporter. Hyperion Ray is the Israeli-owned vessel allegedly attacked near Fujay. Um, according to reports, it is listed by marine traffic sites as a vehicle transporter. It was the third known case, and this is what's key, third known case of an Israeli-owned commercial vessel coming under an Iranian attack in, in recent history. The incident comes as part of a series of reported tit-for-tat strikes at sea between Iran and Israel. While Iran is targeting cargo vessels, Israel is reportedly disrupting illegal oil smuggling operations that are part of Iran's Hezbollah financing channel. And Hezbollah is up in Lebanon to the north of Israel. Uh, and they work with Iran, they're a proxy, if you will, as well as the Iranian trafficking of weapons to Iranian proxies in Syria. So, again, why is this article here? We point these out because I want to continue to show you how bold Iran is getting. They're getting bolder. They're at, it's one thing to say, we're going to des- destroy you. But then when you start shooting, even if it's just bottle rockets at this point, at, a, at Israeli ships, not battleships, but cargo ships, is kind of a wimpy, uh, cowardly attack because they can't really attack back. Um it just shows you their boldness. They're getting bolder. Uh, they're getting more courageous. Um, they're getting more angry. And they don't have a lot of people restraining them right now, Greg, uh, because America has weaker leadership, and they know that. And they know that we're not going to do anything to stop them. And Russia is the bully in the playground that's protecting them and allowing them to do this. Watch for this to increase and, of course, to magnify until we see this move by Russia and Iran on Israel. Yeah, I also think, too, Pastor Mark, it's not so much uh, weakness, but intention. There's uh, no the, doubt. The, the, the administration that's currently in place, and and I'm talking about personnel within the administration that yeah. are in key positions, are known haters of Israel. That's true. And, I, and, and, and in Iran is not ignorant to right, that. Right. And so, basically, it's the old adage... When you take light out of the room, darkness enters. Yeah, and so you've you've got more of a of of a incentive to get back to what your plan is, and that's yeah. the destruction of Israel. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great yeah. uh, uh, add on there, Greg. Let me get back to because that uh, that helps me even think of how I need to further expand my definition. Because you're exactly right. Uh, this is intentional. What's going on yes. by the current administration? Yeah. They're they're not only anti-Israel, they're anti-God, and and so. And they've made that known in their statements. 
But here's the, and their actions mostly. But here's the thing: they don't know the Lord, so we don't expect anything more than that. But when I say weak, let me quantify that. What I mean: it's not just weak in the sense of I don't have the muscles or the ability to punch you. It's I don't have the fortitude to follow through if you threaten. I would rather go ahead and say, you know what, we're not going to fight you. Go ahead, you know, if you want to take my lunch. Go ahead and take it and take the lunch money. I'm not going to fight you on the playground because I'm going to try to play nice and be a friend. The mindset of the current administration is if we'll just be nice to everybody, they will be nice back. And this is why this current administration's leadership, Greg, is so dangerous. Number one, they don't understand human nature, which is the fallen nature, which is to take advantage when you can and to hurt you to your advantage when you can. And they don't understand, obviously, or believe the Middle East psyche and what do i mean by that the middle east psyche is is well the best example i know is again the, the the example of the person that found the dying viper and they took it in to take care of it and heal it deadly viper is very weak they brought it in their house they nursed it they gave it food took care of it and 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 just you know took really great care of it as soon as the viper got strong first thing it did was bite them and according it's just again a make-believe story to make the point the owner the person who brought it back and took such good care of it basically said why did you do that i I brought you in. I rescued you. I gave you the strength that you have. I brought, I was trying to be kind and show you love. And it's like, you foolish person. I'm a viper. This is what I do. Well, understand Satan is a viper. This is what he does. He is the serpent. And right now he's working through those who don't know Christ in the Middle East and around the world to take over the world and destroy it. He wants to, again, even take over God, which he can't do. So our administration currently... What they're doing is they're saying, let's be nice. And if anybody right now, China's threatening Taiwan in war. We may get into that later. But the point is, yeah. they're saying, if that happens, let's be nice. And that brings up the point here in this article. You can't be nice and appease them when they get the chance to strike. They will. And if we're trying to when I say weakness, what that means is they know that if they do something because we may have the strength to do something, they know we won't. Because they believe we think being nice will win them over when they know being nice won't win them over. And Greg may very well go back to Ezekiel 38 and 39, where it says those in the coastlands will say, what are you doing? But they will do nothing to stop Iran and Russia and these other nations from coming in because they they think it's better to not get involved and just you know let this thing calm down. Be nice. Don't do anything. So it's you have to understand in the Middle East, if you don't show strong Aggression at times, a stance, a quick response, then that's weakness, and they will take advantage of it. So what you're watching here with Iran is they're doing this to find out. It's kind of a test thing. Is America going to do anything? Mm-hmm. They know Israel will, so they're yeah. not doing anything about lobbing these bottle rockets at cargo vessels. Now, the first time they shoot a real missile, Greg, at a battleship or do something, I mean, they've got they've got trouble, and they know yeah. it. Um that's the dangerous part about us. But I think Iran is testing the waters, so to speak, quite literally, of the world to find out the atmosphere. And it's leading us right to Ezekiel 38 and 39. They're going to be bold. They're going to go for it. And they've got their protector, Russia, guarding their back. And Russia's getting bold with us as well. The uh, the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Yeah. And the wisdom that you kind of outlined that this uh, that our government is trying to use by thinking we'll be we'll be nice you'll be nice is not only displaying cultural ignorance but is also displaying first john 5:19 and we can never ever ever lose sight of this scripture verse as a matter of fact if you've never read it i encourage you to read it go get it 
Go underline it. Go put it on your refrigerator. As a matter of fact, read it before you turn on the news. And that is this. First John 5.19 says, the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. Basically, if you're not in Christ, you're under the influence or the sway of the enemy, whether you want to be or not. That's right. Or whether you realize it or not, it really doesn't matter. It It is a spiritual principle that works based on God's design and how the world operates and the sun rises and sets and those that are in Christ and those that are out Christ. The Bible makes it very clear what's going to happen. And again, a lot of these people think they're well-intentioned, well-meaning. doesn't mean that they're thinking evil thoughts when they're doing things that they think are the right thing to do. But you've got to have the prophetic picture and see what the Bible says is going to happen and see how people and governments in, in, in people groups get used yeah. to help fulfill that prophecy. Yeah, I, I, you know, exactly. I mean, that, that's exactly right, Greg. I mean, and, um, you know, I, I just, again, you know, being aware of what's going on prophetically and understand this is so important to understand what's going on in the world. And we've got to realize that, again, you're dealing with other nations and these people, and you talk about the deception of Satan. The Bible says that he deceives the nations. That's with yeah. an S. And so you're talking about he has that sway because he's a he's a more powerful being. He's greater yeah. than we are at this moment in yeah. these bodies. And so that's why the sway is there. Yeah. All right, let's get into America. Of course, then again, don't we want to leave America right now? (laughs) Oh, my. ChristianHeadlines.com, dated April 14th, is reporting, according to a study, that only 6%. Every time we have surveys like this, the the numbers just keep dropping. This time, it's 6% of Americans hold to a dominantly biblical worldview. This is shocking and heartbreaking to me. According to a new study by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, nearly 9 in 10 American adults hold to a mixture of worldviews outside, uh, otherwise known as syncretism. And again, that's just all that means is blending everything together, all these different worldviews, and kind of forming your own opinion. This is horrible because you it's lose... It's the days of judges. Yeah, you lose right and wrong. You lose white and black. Everything becomes just mingled together. You do what's right. Yeah, the research was the first release in uh, the CRC's um, America Worldview Inventory 2021 survey, which observes a biblical worldview and six prominent competing worldviews, secular humanism, postmodernism, moralistic therapeutic deism, what? Uh, that's it's basically the, the the new teen viewpoint. They say they base things on morals. God wants us to be good, uh, therapeutic. You know, he wants us to he wants us to be happy. So it's therapeutic, and and yet deism <laughs> deism means that God's not really involved in your everyday life. God started everything, but then kind of disappeared. He kind of lets it run its course. So they're saying as long as we're good, as long as we're he happy, went to the movies. Yeah, yeah, as long as we're good and happy, we know that God is has created us. Then we just kind of work our own way out. That's moralistic therapeutic deism. It's a new thing wow. created. They come up with all these new terms. If you of don't, course. Look, yeah. If you don't keep up, you're going to lose it. Yes. Uh, nihilism, Marxism, including critical theory, and Eastern mysticism. Nihilism basically means nothing really matters. There's no reality, and nothing really matters is nihilism. So secular humanism, that is, there's no God, and we do things on our own. Um, you know, Marxism, we know what that is, pretty much socialism and critical race theory and all that. Eastern mysticism, that's all the Hinduism and the spiritism, we're all God, etc. They're taking all these world viewpoints, they're blending them all together with a little bit of Bible and coming up with some type of personal philosophy. It's death. Everybody's making their own God. They're becoming their own God. It says, however, when pitted against each other, veteran researcher George Barna found that 88% of U.S. adults 
hold to a mixture of these worldviews instead of adhering to one single worldview. This blend of worldviews is known as syncretism, something Barna says is, and I quote, cut-and-paste approach to making sense of life. Now, this didn't surprise me, Greg, because we've done the same thing in the church. We cut and paste the parts of the Bible we want to believe and the parts we don't. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have these Christians that look like that kind of, you know, the message on the paper that the bad guy writes to the police, you'll never find me, and he cuts it out (laughs) of newspapers. Yes. A lot of Christians that do that, they cut out different parts of the Bible and paste it on paper and say, here's my Christian walk. That's why their lives are so broken and unpieced together. Uh, He goes on, rather than developing an internally consistent and philosophically coherent perspective, Americans embrace points of view or actions that feel comfortable or most convenient. Isn't that our nature? One shocking outcome. This is the one that I want to, again, with this article, focus on. One shocking outcome from the CRC survey is that as low as 6% of Americans, Craig, that's 6 out of every 100 Dominantly hold a biblical worldview. I'll get back to that. Still, this was the most commonly held singular belief from the presented list of worldviews. According to the survey, only 2% embraced secular humanism, while 1% embraced postmodernism and moralistic therapeutic deism and nihilism. Now, the thing that gets me, again, the others, again, just weirdo stuff. But this is the most heartbreaking to me. Here we have a nation that was founded on the Word of God, and our founding fathers founded it on the Word of God. We now have come to a point some 200 and some years later, Greg, that only six out of every 100 of us believe the Bible should be our viewpoint of the world and how we live. What a short amount of time yeah. as compared to when the earth began. It's amazing. Wow. It really is, Greg. And, and you know, you think about this. Um, what that means is, here for our listeners out there, there's only six out of every 100 of us, if this is correct, that really believe the Bible literally and live by it as our worldview. That's the way to sum this up. Yeah. And that's that's really scary. Now, let's say out of those 100, 25 are true Christians. And, and the only reason I'm going to say that out of every 100, we don't know this, but I'm going to say what I think might be a measure Jesus gave us. Okay. He gave about the sower, went up to sow. And, you know, 25%, there were four different kinds, 25%. No fruit at all. Another 25% sprung up real fast, but they had no root, so they died out. Another 25%, you know, the cast uh, grew, but then the world choked it out because of all the cares of the world. Going to be rich, going to be famous. I've got to be on American Idol and have my, <laughs> have my YouTube channel or whatever. Yeah. And the last 25% says they bore fruit. So there might be a hint that about one out of every four truly are saved. Okay. And that's probably a pretty good guesstimation when you look at the world today. If that is a hint the Lord was giving us, and I can't say that it was, even out of those 24 or 25, even if you included those four out of the 25 that believe the Bible literally and have a biblical worldview, that would mean that 21 out of 25 believers don't have really a pure, literal, biblical worldview. Now, I'm not a statistician. I may be wrong on this. And some of you guys that are statisticians may be writing me hate mail. You can do that. Correct me. I'd love to be. I'd love to understand this better. The bottom line is, here's my point. This indicates, if it's right, that even within the church, there's a very small number of people right now in in filling all of our churches of Knoxville and around the world. There's a small number of people who really believe the Bible literally and really use it to form their worldview exclusively. Now, some say, no, no, I believe the Bible and I take the Bible worldview and there may be larger numbers, but I'm talking, this is saying exclusively. That means you're not using any other world viewpoint. You're not allowing in any of this 
system, systemic race stuff or critical race theory. What that's all world viewpoint. That's not biblical. You're, you're not, if you're allowing, if you're allowing in this whole systemic racism stuff, if you're allowing in critical race theory, if you're allowing in, uh, socialism viewpoints, if you're allowing in these other viewpoints, then you don't have a biblical worldview. You have a worldview with some biblical mixed in. A secular worldview. Exactly. And what you need to do is, is you need to thin out all the other views and go back to a literal interpretation of the Bible and have a biblical worldview because that's the only one that is right and that's the only one that's going to keep you on target. So, again, the shocking thing to me is is how few people really do believe the Bible. You know, Greg, I look at it, our body here. And I say, you know, we've got, I, again, I, I'm not going to even say because I don't want to throw numbers around, but we have a decent-sized body here. And to realize that if this statistic is right, a big portion, and maybe even over half of our fellowship, doesn't believe the Bible literally mm. and let it form their complete worldview. It means, yes, they believe yeah. the Bible. Good point. Yeah. But, but they're, they're allowing in worldview points to affect them. We have got to be faithful to teach the word and stand on it and turn this around. And I would say that that's somewhat prophetic, would you not, when you consider the apostasy falling of the away latter in the days? last days. There you go, falling away. Separation of the wheat and the tares yep. and the wheat and the chaff and all that. Oh Absolutely. My. Well, it's that, happening. That could be a whole nother show, but yep. we've got wars and rumors of wars to get to as Signs of the Times continues right here on WIAM. We'll be right back. W-I-A-M-L-P. 101.1 FM, Knoxville. How much home can you afford? How about automobiles? Do you realize that the amount we spend on these two items can make or break our financial well-being? And too many of us are, in fact, making choices that break us. Hi, I'm Chuck Bentley with My Money Life from Crown. Today, Crown's founder, Larry Burkett, identifies the reason for most of those bad decisions. A lot of people suffer financial ignorance. A lack of understanding. They don't know what they're doing. Don't know why they're doing it. They buy things they can't afford to own. They're not even knowledgeable enough about finances to know whether they can afford to pay for it. I've counseled many couples who have bought a home far more expensive than they can afford to pay for. Their house payments were made, and therefore they rationalized, we can afford a house. Nothing else was paid. See, a lot of things, no clothing allowance, no medical allowance, no dental allowance, no entertainment recreation allowance, they bought a home they couldn't afford. Nobody ever showed them how to decide if they could or could not afford. Ignorance is a real problem. You can go through grammar school, high school, college, get a PhD in America, and never take a course on balancing a checkbook. There's something wrong with that when everybody's got to do it. I went through one of, a school not too long ago, asked me to come over and teach one of their courses in consumer personal finance. And you know what they had is an 11-week course, I believe. The first eight weeks of that course, they did nothing but teach those kids how to fill out credit card applications. Eight weeks of 11 weeks. Well, I said, what a personal finance course that is. Personal disaster is what you're going to have. You know, being in debt year after year can be depressing. If you're struggling with credit card debt, I recommend Christian Credit Counselors. They can create a debt management plan that will work for you. For more information, call the Crown Helpline at 800-722-1976 or visit online at crown.org slash ccc. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. I want you to know that when the time of judges comes through your life, there's always the book of Ruth. God is always at work behind the scenes. 
And even though there were civil wars and there was moral decay and there was religious corruption and all-out anarchy and confusion in the leadership, God was at work. Don't forget that in your life. God's at work. It may be out of your control. It may be confusing and chaotic, but God is at work. Your life might represent judges right now, but there's always the book of Ruth. For more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus, visit edtaylor.org. Again, that's edtaylor.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor is a presentation of Calvary Aurora. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news that we call the Signs of the Times. Today is Friday, April 16th, 2021, but you might be listening to episode 165 later. And you can find out all the ways that you can listen to our podcast at thewaymedia.net. Along with Pastor Mark Kirk, I'm Greg Hilton. It's time to continue our dive into news articles that we find around the world. Been a, lots of wars and rumors of wars, kind of as we hit a one-world government category, just because we're looking at nations. Pastor Mark talked about this uh, in the first half, uh, that that the Antichrist, that Satan will deceive the nations. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And we're seeing nations getting stirred up towards one another. Hence, the wars and rumors of wars. And that's one of the things that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24 that would be happening in the latter days. Our first article comes from Israel365news.com, talking about Egypt threatening Ethiopia with potential war over the Nile River. And a rabbi says that this has end-of-days implications. Well, it does. And uh, again, not for the way the rabbi thinks it, but there are some things definitely, you know, that that deal with that. Listen to what it says. Failed trilateral negotiations being carried out in the Congo over an Ethiopian dam in the Nile River led to an Egyptian threat of war. The negotiations broke down last week after Ethiopia rejected a Sudanese proposal to include international mediators in talks leading to threats of war. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi implied in a speech on Wednesday that Egypt could respond with war to Ethiopia filling the dam on the Nile River. And I quote, we have witnessed the cost of any confrontation, Sisi said at the opening of the new government complex. I'm telling our brothers in Ethiopia, let's not reach the point where you touch a drop of Egypt's water because all options are on the table. CC noted that Egypt and Sudan were cooperating, and cooperation and agreement are much better than anything else. Ethiopia responded that his country would continue filling the dam, but that war was not an option. And I quote, as construction progresses, filling takes place. We don't deviate from that at all. Filling the reservoir began in 2020 and will take about four to seven years to fill. Egyptians fear a temporary reduction of water availability due to the filling of the dam and a permanent reduction because of evaporation from the reservoir, uh, which could reduce uh, the Nile flows as much as 25%. The situation has been volatile for some time. 
Again, President Trump even got involved in this, but Egypt jealously, jealously, it says, protects its water. This is interesting, Greg, because, again, what's happening is the Nile runs through Ethiopia, through Sudan, and all, all the way, of course, into Egypt. And what's happening here um, um, with the whole thing coming through is they're building a dam on the Nile, which is going to be blocking, they're afraid, some of the water coming up the Nile into Egypt, if you will. And this is prophetic. Again, they're worried about water over there because water is a big deal in the Middle East. Uh, you can understand why. But it's it's interesting because it talks about the Nile being dried up in um, Isaiah chapter 19. Listen to what it says. It says, the waters will fail from the sea and the river will be wasted and dried up. The rivers will turn foul. The brooks of defense will be emptied and dried up. The reeds and rushes will wither. The papyrus reeds by the river. This is speaking of the Nile and by the mouth of the river and everything sown by the river will wither and be driven away and be no more. The fishermen also will mourn. All those will lament who cast hooks in the river and they will languish who spread their nets on the water. Moreover, those who work in fine flax and those who weave fine fabric will be ashamed and the foundations will be broken and who, uh, and who make wages will be troubled of soul. Again, there is a link, but what the rabbi's saying is, is depending on what they do with God will determine what God does with the Nile. And, and that's true to a degree, but the Bible does say there's going to be issues with the Nile drying up all kinds of things in the last days. And with this dam being built, the concern of the Egyptians is they're going to block up their water, dry up the Nile. So again, how does this play into prophecy? Well, again, chapter 19, talking about what's going to happen, but also this could be, again, the wars and rumors of wars, which is really kind of the theme of the second half here, because one of the main things we're seeing now prophetically is the wars and rumors of wars. And now there's rumors of wars between uh, Ethiopia and Egypt. Yeah. Just one of the many things that Jesus talked about, and it's now taking its turn on the center stage of prophecy. Our next article regarding that, Pastor Mark, comes also from Israel365news.com, saying, as tensions rise, the United States and Russia are deploying battleships to the Black Sea. So yeah. what what does the Black Sea hold for us prophetically? Yeah, again, I think what it holds prophetically is wars and rumors of wars. <laughs> and again, with Russia being involved, you got the whole thing with the tensions with Iran. Washington will deploy two battleships to the Black Sea next week. Turkey said on Friday, basically Turkey's tattletaling because they're a part of NATO and they're letting people know what was said in the meeting. As reported by the AP, Russia has amassed its military forces near the Ukrainian border while accusing non-coastal NATO forces of beefing up naval activity in the region. Meanwhile, Washington reports that Russia has amassed greater military forces on the eastern Ukraine border than they have at any time since 2014 when Moscow annexed Crimea. Now, we talked about last week them taking more territory, and Greg, that is a beachhead to attack Israel from. Um, again, violence has been ignited between the Ukrainian forces and separatists arousing concerns of a major escalation. Again, Russia wants to take over Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin accused Kiev on Friday of dangerous provocative actions in the Donbass region while speaking with Turkey's President Erdogan. Turkey, who is a member of NATO, said on Friday that Washington will deploy two battleships to the Black Sea from April 14th to the 15th. The Black Sea is considered to be a flashpoint for brinkmanship between Russia and NATO member states. NATO forces have beefed up their presence in the region amid increased tensions. They have oftentimes been encounters, or there have oftentimes been encounters, between naval vessels and aircraft from each side. Here's the bottom line. 
Russia's flexing their muscle. America's flexing their muscle, saying you better not do too much, so to speak. And so they're at least in, in symbol doing it. And, and Turkey's tattletaling. They're linking up more with Russia and tattletaling on America for doing this. And remember, Russia and Turkey, they're going to be linking up even more because they're going to be allied in this move against Israel. So this all goes right in line with the alliances. And again, we talked about kind of the theme of this half, wars and rumors of wars. I think you're seeing that part of the contractions kick into gear. Yeah. When we have a strong U.S. presence in the Middle East, and I'm talking not necessarily militarily, but that can be too, although our military is around the world, but really from a policy standpoint, right. when, when we have a strong presence in the region, as we see in the Middle East, we've seen over the last four years uh, Iran not be as bold as they are right now. Our next story kind of falls in line with that because there's always been the tension between China and Taiwan because China says, hey, Taiwan, you're part of us. We want you back under our control, kind of like what happened with Hong Kong. Now, this is from AP News dated April 7th. The U.S. military is citing a rising risk of Chinese moving against Taiwan. Another example of when when before China's always talked about it and rattled sabers over it, but knowing that they would have to overcome the United States in order to overtake Taiwan because there's no agreement on paper, I don't think, for Taiwan to, like how Hong Kong was, where Hong Kong was going to revert back to the Chinese government after so many years, whatever it was. So let's talk about this. Let's do. And again, there's a lot of things here. Again, we talked about right with the wars and rumors of wars. But, Greg, just so you know, Taiwan Taiwan doesn't officially have a, a, a... they basically have said we're going to be independent, but there's not an official break on paper between them. That's why no. that's why China wants to pull, pull them right them back, back, back in. in yeah. And here's where I talked about America being weak and the, the definition I gave of weakness. China is is counting on the fact, and I think they're accurate, that if they go ahead and take action against Taiwan, we will do nothing because we don't want war with China. Whereas I believe if we had a strong president. He would go to war, and they would know it, and they wouldn't do it. But listen to what it says. The American military is warning that China's probably accelerating its timeline. I think they want to do it during the four years of President Biden. I think you're going to see it happen within the next four years because they don't want another strong president to get in. Accelerating its timetable for capturing control of Taiwan, the island democracy that has been the chief source of tension between Washington and Beijing for decades and is widely seen as the most likely trigger for a potential catastrophic U.S.-China war. Uh, the, the worry about Taiwan comes as China yields new strength from years of military buildup. It's been more aggressive with Taiwan, more assertive in sovereignty disputes in the South China Sea. Beijing also has become more confrontational with Washington. Senior Chinese officials traded sharp and unusually public barbs with Secretary of State Anthony Blinken in talks in Alaska. They basically insulted us, and we did nothing about it. I mean, they, the world saw That's what yeah. We're weak. Yeah. A military, and they know it. And I think they were testing us there, like these missiles at Israel, Israel ships. They're shooting missiles at us verbally. What are you going to do? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Basically nothing. Nothing, yeah. A military move against Taiwan, however, would be a test of U.S. support for the island that Beijing views as a breakaway province. For the Biden administration, it could present the choice of abandoning a friendly democratic entity, Taiwan, or risking what could become an all-out war over a cause that is not on the radar for most Americans. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not worth it for us to do anything. Let them have it instead of let them have it. (laughs) Uh, The United States has long pledged, though, get this, to help Taiwan defend itself. 
but has deliberately left unclear how far it would go in response to a Chinese attack. State Department uh, spokesman Ned Price on Wednesday expressed great concern at what he called a pattern of Chinese efforts to intimidate others in the region, including Taiwan. And I quote, the United States maintains the capacity to resist any resort uh, to force or any form of coercion that would jeopardize the security or the social or economic system of the people of Taiwan. The bottom line is, he says, we have the indications risks are going up. They are going up. The bottom line is they're saying, here's the deal. We think they're getting more aggressive against Taiwan. We think the move could happen sooner than later. And um, we have a decision to make. Are we going to want to go to war with China, which would be a massive war in the world where we both could wipe each other out and other people? Or do we just let them have Taiwan, although we promised Taiwan we wouldn't let them have them? This is where, again, I think China's counting on the fact, Greg, that we're not going to take that calculated risk to go to war with China. By the way, China just announced this week, we're just as strong militarily as you are now. We now have our military as strong as America. At the same time, President Biden is saying we're going to reduce our spending in our military and make our military weaker. They're bragging that their military is caught up and they're flexing their muscle to prove it. And I think, Greg, we could see some interesting, again, wars and rumors of wars. This might be a real war to take Taiwan. The rumors already started. Well, and I also think, too, that if you have a weaker United States on the world stage, then the prophecies of Ezekiel taking place, the prophecy of a revived Roman Empire coming back into play that is putting together ten regions or the ten toes is more apt to happen because because a a strong U.S. government would want to remain independent and not dependent and and, and fold into a world government system. Uh, unless those players in our government think they are going to have a seat at a larger government table, right? then that would allow them to acquiesce our national sovereignty yeah. uh, by way of either uh, altering or foregoing the Constitution altogether, yeah. which doesn't wouldn't surprise you when you think about the mystery of lawlessness uh, absolutely at play which is another there 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 are so many prophecies that are happening and are not necessarily interdependent but they're interplaying with one another All of them. in order to one helps fulfill the other as the other helps fulfill the other and it all links together oh yeah they're all at play right now and yeah. matter of fact it's funny you said that because our new UN ambassador that was appointed just made the point this week that said that racism was built into the founding documents of our Constitution. Ah, there you uh, see go. See what they're doing. See what there they're doing. Now, what does this mean? We have to do away with, with the, Constitution the Constitution because it has a lot of God stuff in it. Yes. We have to do away with the Constitution because it's racist. Uh, and then move, they're, they're setting the stage, Greg, wow. already, and, and to create this new world. And that also would open the door for us to unite with the world as one because yeah. our Constitution prevents yeah, that. Exactly. And that's prophetic. Absolutely. Uh, we and, and, I'm, and I'm speaking to the people that are listening to this, their blood is boiling because you're patriotic, you're an American. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, and if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian first before you're an American, and you've got to understand that we don't like it either. But the Bible says that these things are going to happen. That's right. Now, how by, by what form or function they take place in order for the prophecy to be filled, that's what we do every week on this program is chronicle the news headlines. Yeah. Does it mean that our Constitution goes away? We, we don't know. 
But all we know is, is that something or, or, or some things have to happen to weaken us as a nation that would cause us to fold into a one-world government. Yes, it doesn't mean that we don't go down swinging. We need to fight to hold everything for God as long as we can. But the reality is, it's going to be, I believe, done away with at some point. And I think the process has begun. Well, and when you look at the other article that we talked about, 6% hold a dominant biblical worldview. Well, and if you don't understand... Uh, oh, what is it? Uh, something thirty-three-three, whatever. Oh, what's the Old Testament? Uh, oh yeah, you're talking about the government formation. Isaiah I'm sorry. thirty-three. Thank you. Yeah, where it talks about the, our, our whole form of government. The three branches of government come out of Isaiah right. thirty-three-three with kings, judges, and the and the lawmakers. Um, if you do away, that's where our constitution came from. It's basically removing any type of godly influence, Greg, from United States uh, legal system. Yeah. From what's left of the legal system. Yeah. So if you've got only 6% to believe that, well, then you're going to get the majority of the people to believe, yeah, let's do away with that constitution. That we can come up with something better. We Yes. We can build back better. We can do something better. Not going to happen. All right. Let's get into the smorgasbord of yuck that we call pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption on this episode of Signs of the Times, episode 165. Uh, ChristianHeadlines.com is reporting that more than 7 million are facing threats of starvation across East East Africa amid the pandemic, a locust infestation, and violence. It's like the trifecta of problems. It really is. And again, remember, Matthew 24 keeps coming up, and it always does in our our program. But again, you got the wars and rumors of wars. He also talks about famines increasing in the last days. More than 7 million people across East Africa countries are facing the threat of starvation after the areas have struggled the battle of the coronavirus pandemic, a locust infestation, and violence and flooding. According to World Vision, thousands of children could die or at risk of health problems if international help is not deployed. The countries are Ethiopia, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan, Kenya, and Uganda. Um, the program manager for World Vision Humanitarian Emergency Affairs Team visited East Africa recently and said this, and I quote, the situation is very severe in East Africa and particularly Ethiopia. Over two million people are in need of food assistance. Um, they to- he told Christian Post on a Thursday interview. Among conflict, COVID-19, flooding, locust infestation, all these are adding additional burden to the community. Before the pandemic, desert locusts infested and damaged croplands and pastures. Later in 2020, flooding destroyed crops that would have fed some 4 million people in the region. You talk about a cursed earth. We're in it. But the earth is groaning. And it brings up another point. Not just famines, but the earth groaning in the last days mm. for the return of the Lord. Yeah. There's a lot of groaning going on for the birth of the new kingdom. And, you know, my heart breaks for these for these that are there, Lord, uh, there you know, that we're told about would face. The Lord told us would face starvation. Now we're reading about it. And, Greg, it's heartbreaking. But, again, it's it's part of the signs of the times. And the good news is this. Uh, he did tell us about it, and he told us it was going to come to an end. So this will not last mm. forever. And God, for those who turn to Christ, there's going to be relief and mercy. But these are horrible times. Be praying for the people of Africa, but be aware that you're watching and, and observing the signs of the times. Yeah, absolutely. All right. My favorite time of the program is when we get to talk about crazy things. Uh, this is from FoxNews.com, dated April 15th. Yeah. A filmmaker is saying that the pyramid-shaped UFOs spotted by the Navy 
may be the best the world has ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, I want to read this article. We're going to talk for a while about this. These are there have been multiple sightings now released from the military that are legitimate and not just kind of the weirdos out there that you kind of try to make it happen and throw a frisbee and take a snapshot. Uh, and this there is, I believe, a biblical signs of the times reason we'll talk about. Uh, Jeremy Corbell said this. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, the Pentagon, you already kind of covered that. The Pentagon has confirmed the authenticity of newly leaked videos and images showing multiple UFO sightings by U.S. Navy personnel as the government prepares to release a highly anticipated first-of-its-kind report on UFOs this summer. So this is going to rock the summer uh, atmosphere, Greg. This is going to be a big deal. 18-minute video shows what is described as three pyramid-shaped UFOs hovering over the warship USS Russell at night. Um, and, and obviously the, uh, the Navy, they were wrestling or they wouldn't have seen it. Um, oh July of 2019 <laughs> off San Diego coast. Uh, that's maybe why they went, they chose that ship. They knew that anyway, at one point, the pyramid shaped craft reportedly hovered 700 feet over the tail of the Russell. This is the first video. The public has seen from uh, the July 2019 incident in which mystery UFOs described as unmanned aerial vehicle vehicles reportedly harassed at least three U.S. warships, three, during military exercises uh, um, over multiple days, at one point matching the speed and bearing of a destroyer for 90 minutes while performing brazen maneuvers. So this actually happened in 2019, but now what's new about it is, I said it just happened, the release just happened to this. Um, Months earlier, an F-18 pilot reportedly used his cell phone to snap photos of three different unidentified aircraft off the coast of the Oceana in March, including two UFOs dubbed the Metallic Blimp and the Sphere. The unidentified aircraft captured by the pilot in March 2019 were able to remain stationary in high winds with no movement beyond the capacity of known balloons or drones, according to uh, the article. And I, he said, and I quote, I can confirm that the referred photos and videos were taken by Navy personnel. Department of Defense spokesman Susan Goh told Fox News, the UAPTF, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, mm. has included these incidents in their ongoing examinations. Now, let's talk just for a moment about this, because this is the third major military release of actual video of what they say wasn't them, couldn't have been somebody else, and they can't explain, but there it is, and you see it in the videos. What is this? We're not denying this is real. Are these aliens from other planets? I can tell you biblically, no. And how can I say that? Because the Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of the world and that only by his blood can any created being that was, you know, outside of the angels that were already there, can they get into heaven? Because, again, we're all born sinners. Mankind has fallen. His creation fell. You can't get in except through the blood of Christ. And if Jesus only died for this world, that would mean that all the other worlds out there that supposedly would have aliens on them, they can't go to heaven and they have no opportunity to go to heaven because they also are outside of God's realm. They need to be forgiven. But Jesus didn't die for them. He only died for the world, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So I think there's a strong biblical argument that there can't be life on other planets or else they would be eternally condemned without hope. And I don't believe God would create beings who are eternally condemned without hope. So are the aliens biblically? I think no. Now, again, I can't speak and say I know everything and that I'm absolutely right, but that is my biblical viewpoint. So then what are these? What are these? Well, I believe it's demonic. 
The Bible says in the last days, there's going to be greater and greater demonic activity. Um, I believe God is a, God. Satan can only do what God allows him to do. I believe that uh, God is allowing Satan to now manifest some of the fallen angelic realm, and they're manifesting ma- as these manifesting rather as these beings. Again, if you look at these, the things that have happened, some of them are like a cigar shape or tic tac shape. Some of them have like this saucer. It looks like a flying saucer. Um, and these now have a triangle shape. When you look at the angels, Greg, this really fits right into the definition of what an angel would look like. And you look at the fallen angels. Mark, how could these look like angels? Well, first of all, we know there are different classifications of angels. The cherubim, for example, they have wheels attached to them. We're told there's a wheel within a wheel attached to the cherubim. Well, you take a cherubim, let it fly, let it manifest itself, let it turn sideways, and what do you have? You have a flying saucer. You look at a, an angel that lifts its wings straight up like this, and it's glowing down to its feet. That is a pyramid. And, of course, when you read the description of how they lifted their wings, yes, their wings flap, but it doesn't show like a flapping motion. When you read it, it appears it's almost like a hummingbird, something where they raise their wings, and there's this rapid motion going, which would almost show a stationary position of the wings and the feet. Now you have the uh, pyramid-shaped thing. Look, I don't know exactly this is what it is, but here's what I know. I believe this is demonic manifestation of demons. I don't think this is the end of it. I think you're going to see more of this, and I think we're going to see very possibly being used in deception in the last days. And, Greg, very possibly, uh, we've talked about it before, maybe explain why suddenly millions of people disappear from the world because aliens took them. We know it as the rapture. Yeah. All right, let's squeeze in a good news article here from ChristianHeadlines.com. A 104-year-old man just boxed his (laughs) 1,000th box for Operation Christmas <laughs> Look, Child. I'm going to go quick, but I got to see something funny. Where I read okay. this, I think, man, a 104-year-old man boxing and doing it for That's Operation Christmas That's what I thought, too. I thought, this guy's That's boxing. He's still got a boxing match to raise money for Operation <laughs> Christmas I'm just amazing. At 104, I'd be glad to get out of bed, but it's less boxing. Good for you, Rocky, with your uh, dentures funny. in. But no, yes. he means he boxed it up. Uh, one of the few living uh, centenarians, or centenarians that just filled his thousandth box for Operation Christmas Child, an organization run by Samaritan's Purse. He said, I hope the children are blessed. And realize that God looks after them and that there's still hope for them. Ira Miller, 104-year-old, told CBN News, The Lord has blessed me, and I still want to do something for the children who don't know the Lord he shared. I return all my thanks to him. Miller, with the help of his daughter, Debbie Welch, completed this thousandth box feet in just four years when grandpa turned 100 he packed 100 shoe boxes for operation christmas child since then he has packed a thousand shoe boxes yesterday was the day he packed his one thousands again that is a feel-good story yes it is ministering look we're never too old never stop ministering for the lord we can do something for god even if it's just prayer until the day we enter the kingdom of god way to go ira god bless you you know Love it reminded it. me of galatians 6 9 when i read this story pastor mark in okay. galatians 6 says and let us not grow weary while doing good for oh, in due great. season we shall reap if we do not lose heart i love it I love believer it. don't grow weary of doing good in an ungodly world that we're living in embrace the adversity because it will refine you it will purify you and god will use you in the kingdom if you'll let him amen amen all right folks thanks for our uh joining our program don't forget it's the waymedia.net for everything related to our program including sender sending pastor mark those prophecy questions that we always like receiving until next friday at 1 30 uh when we have more signs of the times have a great weekend and we'll see you back then